Just a quick message before the show begins. We're a year in now and I've really enjoyed doing this and I hope you've been enjoying it too. If you have, then please like and share the content and get in touch with any thoughts and feedback and hopefully we can keep growing the show and getting more incredible guests. Thanks and back to the show. I'm Adam Gow, the DJ formerly and sometimes currently known as Waxon. Welcome to the Once a DJ podcast. DJing and DJ culture have been a huge part of my life for better or worse. They've given me a massive buzz at times and loads of stress at others and taught me a load of valuable lessons along the way. On this podcast I speak to DJs from around the world who've made the names when it was just about skills and selection, not social media followers. We'll discuss their journey through Ascendancy and what part it plays in their life now. Whether they're still on the scene, said goodbye to the decks forever, or still get a sneaky mix in when life gives them the chance. Whatever road they've travelled, they were always once a DJ. Omar Acosta, thanks a lot for coming on Once a DJ. You're the first person we've had on the podcast that isn't a DJ. But what you've done is you've told a really important story about DJ and mixtape DJing in particular and the culture of that, the genesis and, and what it's brought for artist development um, and also the business end of it. It's, it's really fascinating watch. And um, so just for our listeners, just to confirm, and you were a writer, producer and director on this, right? Uh, yeah, that's right. That's a lot of work. That was that was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what what brought you to this point? Um, from my reading about it, you, you kind of started off as an art director. Is that correct? Um, yeah, yeah. I started off as a designer um, back in the day. I was I was um, I was with MTV back when MTV played videos still, um, and um, I was one of the art directors, and um, and so so from there I sort of like got into through MTV, I sort of got into like directing their commercials and, um, you know, some music videos and that sort of thing. And, and, and that's sort of where I cut my teeth, um, if you will, um, in film. So just to wind back then was, was art and design always a passion of yours? Oh yeah. Hard. Yeah. It still is. I love, I love design. <laughs> um, I love it to me. It's like a, it's, it's like problem solving, man. You know, it's like a game of chess, you know? Um, like it's like just something as simple as like designing a logo or something like that to me is still is still fascinating just just coming up with that solution you know so can you expand on that a little bit about the problem solving aspect of it because that's not a way i'd ever really thought about design of, of kind of a single block like i would understand it in terms of say a flyer and the hierarchy of your information and things but can you explain that in terms of like a logo yeah i mean it's it's i mean you've got certain you know different different elements i mean you got uh, a bunch of elements in in in, in design. You, you you could flip it into a flyer, right? But then now you're dealing with like you said, layout and information architecture and that sort of thing. But when you get into like something like, I mean, there 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 are other elements that make me feel this way as well. But you know, when you get into elements like a, like making a logo, it's you have to communicate so much with one mark, right? With one sort of like icon and and um and most of the time, um, the viewer really only has. I think it's roughly like seven seconds, if I remember correctly from school. Um, you have about seven seconds to 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 really register that, right? Um, so it's like, how do you get how do you get an entire like the, like the like the the DNA of a brand? How does that come across in 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 one mark in a span of like seven seconds? 
So, so there's, there's a lot of problem solving, um, and going back and forth and sketching and that sort of thing. So, um, you know, when I was a kid in, in, you know, in New York, um, you know, it takes me back to like, you know, just like, you know, R and Ding with graffiti, right? It's like, okay, so now I got this letter and then how does this letter go to this next letter? You know, um, and that sort of thing. And I would test myself with that when I, you know, I'm talking about like eight years old or something. Uh, but I, I would test myself with that. Um, and so I would look at it at the end of the day, I would look at, so if I was doing like a graffiti when I was a little kid, um, I was doing like a piece, um, just like on a black book. Um, like I, I would test myself, like my failure was determined by the amount of eraser marks on the black, on, on that piece. You know what I'm saying? So the least amount of eraser marks, that was sort of like a little game I would play with myself. You know, it's like, all right, cool. So I managed to figure this problem out, you know, in a certain amount of time. Um, with, with, with the least, with the least mistakes possible. Right. Um, so it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a sort of like thread that's gone on through, through my, through my life, I guess is design. Yeah. So, so was graffiti your first kind of route or connection with hip hop then? Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, I think, I think that was, you know, I was a little kid, um, on 110th street and I think, even before I got hard into the music, um, I was more into the art. Um, you know, back then, if you wanted to listen to hip hop, um, you know, it was it was like a radio station, and you had to like find, you know, where it was playing, and you know, I just remember like bumping into it sometimes at night. You know, what I'm saying like, it's, yeah. you, know, you know, like sometimes I'll be like. You know, and I'm like, wait, is that, wait, is that hip hop? You <laughs> know, getting really excited, you know? Mm. Um, and, um, and so, so now, but graffiti, you know, you know, just like drawing, I mean, I didn't even call it graffiti, just like drawing to me was, um, was something that was just like right there and that was accessible. Um, and then it became a thing where it became a thing where you go to school and, you know, you'd have like other, you'd have like your friends, um, I was at the school PS seventy five off uh, on ninety sixth Street, off one hundred and tenth Street in New York, and um, and so you battle. You know, you go to school and you know you 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 know show your piece, and you know the next you know you show your piece to somebody or a couple of people, and then you know in the cafeteria, and you know like the next day, um, somebody else would come up with their piece. You know, like oh shit, this fucking guy. You know, you <laughs> know. <laughs> <laughs> And so you go back, you go, you know, it's like, all right, back to the lab, you know? So you go back home that night and you'd be working and working and working, you know? Um, and then you start incorporating like, you know, Marvel heroes and, you know, that sort of thing. So, so, um, so yeah, but then in, but then hip hop started slowly like, like, like taking over, um, because, you know, we had, you know, they were like, you know, like if you picture like a big cafeteria, right for in school and then you had like these tables these long tables and like in each table it was like a crew it was like okay here's the graffiti crew you know what i'm saying like and then mm. you see like people rhyming in another crew and then you see another you know just like people hanging out at one table you know but you know and then you see so so you saw like you saw what came to be known as the ciphers right so you saw like you know kids like rhyming and that sort of thing so so it was like people started gravitating towards what they i guess um uh what their what their craft was right um, mm. and so to me, it was, to me, it was that it was, it was, it was definitely, it was definitely the graffiti element of hip hop. So when you kind of pursued art as a study, 
was your kind of passion and craft of graffiti enough to get you through or did you have to learn a load of different styles of art to kind of fill in fill in the gaps like could you just survive on graffiti uh, no 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 i i was like so what happened with me was a little different because i was like so like suspended in animation because what happened was you know i was living in new york and you know i i you know my family was you know Puerto Rican family living in New York, and then we abruptly moved back to Puerto Rico. How old would you have been? Uh, oh, I was maybe like 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 eleven or something. Like I, was, right. I, I forget exactly, but 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 it was like I was it was I was deep enough where you know I had my little friends, you know, like my little skateboard crew, you know, you know, we were listening to like punk and you know you know the Clash and hip hop and. You know what I'm saying, and it was like all those all, all those sounds that were sort of sort of like permeating from like every corner of New York City that became you know really like like this one culture, um, you know like I was knee deep in that stuff, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so then it's like abruptly I go back to Puerto Rico and it's like zero nothing, <laughs> you know, um, and so so I I kind of I I, I continue to draw but. I, I think around that time, actually, definitely around that time, I got more into fine arts, um, and I did that. I did that in Puerto Rico, so I got more into like um, all, all still life and the charcoal and just like really, you know, the fine art um, aspect of 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 things. Even though I would like do graffiti as a hobby, like I, I definitely started extro- exploring those those other mediums. Yeah. So, were you able to? When when did you move back to the U.S. then? I moved back when I was like, I want to say when I was like 16. Right. So, so it was quite a while between. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, it was also that time where it's like, it's, it's a pretty like influential, you know, time in your, in in your, in your upbringing, right. As you're coming up. Right. So was, um, was, was hip hop big in Puerto Rico then? Um, yeah. So, so. It wasn't, right? It wasn't, it wasn't, right? And there was a lot of prejudice also if you were into hip-hop. Um, you know, you had, you know, around that time, I want to say, um, so the thing with me is once I got the hip-hop bug, and, and now we recognize it as the hip-hop, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Back then it was just like a culture thing, right? But, you know, once I got that, like it was like something that I was like looking for, and I and it was and so I you know if you're looking for something you're gonna find it, and I sort of like in Puerto Rico, you know it was like a subculture of a subculture, right? But um but so you had like Spanish rap, and and so you were looking for that, you know around that time you had like that Vico C, um who was the first Spanish rapper, um on record, right? Um, um, coming out with like these underground mixtapes. You know, and and what made that crazy is that like back then, like cursing was a big deal. Like you did, you know, like you know, like if somebody cursed on the tape, you like you'd hide that from your parents. You know, you'd be, you know, that was, yeah, that was there. You know, I don't care how bad you were, you were hiding that from your parents. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so it was it was a whole different. It was like a whole <laughs> different. Um, it was just a whole different animal uh, back then. So what made that tape crazy? That Vico, um, shout out to Vico C. Um, that Vigo tape crazy um, was that was that the rumor was that he was like cursing, you know, it was like, oh, it's like curses. And, and you know, and it was like, what? Like, what are you talking about? He's cursing on the tape, you know? And um, and so and so um, and so, yeah, so you had to get your hands on that. Right. And I think that to me was really the first um, the first sort of like 
understanding of the power of 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 the mixtape, right? Because here I was like trying to get my hands on this mixtape, and the only people that had them were like the somebodies, <laughs> you know? Yeah, you know, like you had to like really know somebody or be that person that like like you know you just dropped in your lap, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and and they were stingy with it. You know, they were, they understood yeah. the, there was, they understood the power of that tape. They understood that like, wait, no, this is valuable because I, I'm the only one that has it. You yeah. know, once this thing starts getting out, it loses its value. Right. Um, so, so, so yeah. So, so you had things, you had, you had like the Spanish rap movement, um, in Puerto Rico when I, when I was a little, little kid, uh, when I first got there. Um, and, and I was definitely involved with that. And then. Then in school, like we had in Puerto Rico in school, we had like, you know, like a, you, you start gravitating towards, towards, you know, like-minded people. And there were a few kids that like were into hip hop as well. Um, because of the connection between Puerto Rico and New York, there were a lot of um, people with family in New York and that sort of thing. So I identified with those guys. Um, and um, and so we started like a little dance crew uh, where we go to like, um, after after class, we go to like, you know, somebody's like Marquesina in Puerto Rico, which is Marquesina is like, it's like, it's like a garage, but it's not as fancy. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, it's basically like a, it's like a roof to put your car under, you know, but, but in Puerto Rico, they're a big deal because that's where, that's where people have their parties and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. And, um, and so, and so, you know, so we go after school and then we just like have like, just come up with routines, you know, like little dance routines and, that sort of thing. And then we started like seeing like Big Daddy Kane and like, you know, um, Eric B. Rakim, you know, and those guys. And then we try to emulate those dance routines, you know, and those marcasinas, you know, and, and then we go like Saturday nights, you know, whatever, Friday night, Saturday nights, you know, it was like three of us. And we'd like, just like walk around, you know, the barrios and that sort of thing and see, see who else was having parties. Cause there was always, you know, like I said, like the marcasinas, that's where you had the parties. And so there was always parties in those markets, in those, in those spaces during, you know, during the weekends in particular. So, so we'd like walk around and see and try to crash those parties. And then we do our little routines, you know, and you know, people didn't realize that we practice, <laughs> you know, and they'd be like, oh shit, you know? So, so yeah, man. So, so, so it started, it started, it, it was, it was, hip hop was, was something that was harder, a lot harder to find, um, in Puerto Rico, but. But, you know, but, you know, I, I certainly did everything possible to, um, to get my hands on, on whatever I could. Can I just ask how old you are? No, I'm, I'm, I'm 46, man. I just turned 46. Right. Okay. Cause I'm just, I'm just thinking about timelines yeah. and no, it's all good and things like that. Yeah. Um, so what year did you move back to USA? Um, that USA, that was, um, so, so, so New York, um, I, I want to say that was like Ninety five, maybe. So if you left, so you would have left in about eighty eight, eighty nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember being late eighties in Puerto Rico for sure. Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I know in I know in some countries, kind of the culture and the trends can kind of like be a, be a bit slower. So was it quite a culture shock coming back from Puerto Rico to New York at that time when? so much has gone on you know it, i guess when you left it was all about the kind of the fast rap 
And then when you're coming back, it's a lot more, there's all the sort of boom bap and the jazz rap and things like that. And, and I guess the culture must have changed a lot in that time. Were you ready for it? Was it a shock? No, no. I was going to New York. Um, I, have, I have family in New York and I was going to New York um, uh, here and there throughout that time. And around that time, in Puerto, before I went, to New, I went back to New York, um, I was already... I was already in the mixtape game. Right. So I already knew in Puerto Rico, like there were DJs, like there was DJ Playero, shout out to DJ Playero, um, uh, who, who has his own amazing stories. He was instrumental in the, in the creation of reggaeton. Um, and, um, and so, so I would stop like, you know, I would stop like Playero. He had this little red car and I would stop him randomly. And I'd just be like, yo, you got, you got a tape. And, um, and he just looked, I remember he, sometimes he just pull whatever he was playing in his, in his car, his tape deck and just, you know, they're five dollars. Um, so, and then, and then one of the first, one of the first mixtape DJs from New York to start selling things in Puerto Rico was, um, Tony touch. Mm. So tone, so tone, um, would, so there was a little spot, little record store. I mean, tiny. And when I say tiny, I mean like, I mean, you know, picture, just picture like maybe like two closets. Um, yeah. And, um, and that was in old San Juan and I was going to school in old San Juan. And so, so I would just walk there to this little record store and, and then you started seeing, you know, t I think it was like Tony Tony volume one was like the first one I got. It was, I thought, or something like that. I remember it being like, being like single digit for sure, for sure. <laughs> and, and, um, and, um and so, so I started grabbing those and by then I was already, by then, like, it was like, it was getting to boom bap. Yeah. So I was, I was already being introduced to that, to that then. And then, then I started understanding that there was more, um, then they started getting real creative with it. Like they started doing the blends and, and the blends were making sense. You know, it was like, oh, wow, this is, this, this is on beat. This makes sense for you know, the context of this song, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, I could get real geeky, real, 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 I could get real geeky with it, but I'm saying like, it started feeling, you know what I'm saying? It started feeling like it was like, like you could bump this in your car, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and, and sort of, and, and similar to like the vehicle stuff, like it's, it was like, it was like a status symbol, you know, like you wanted to drive around, you know, back then you would drive around old San Juan. You just literally just drive, drive around in circles, you know, because all the clubs were there. So you drive around and you just want to be seen, <laughs> you know, and yeah. you want to be seen playing that mixtape, you know? So, so, you know, I would do that sometimes. Um, and, and it just, it, it, so, so to answer your question, by the time I was, I was, I went back to New York, um, um, I was already, and like, you know, I, I, I was, I was up on what was going down. I, I like to think, right? Yeah. So did you go back to New York and, and then were you like, right, I, I want to work in this. I want to be part of this movement. Did you want to kind of at attach yourself to it or? No, no, no. I mean, I, I was, I was, I was a fan of the culture, but I, I went back to New York and I just focused on my studies, man. You know, I, I knew I wanted to do art and that sort of thing. And I, my whole thing was, okay, how do I work my way into, um, uh, art school basically. Mm. Um, and, and so that's, that's, that was, that was my focus, man. Um, and, um, and I did, I did that with, with the thought of like, you know, getting into, into, um, into, into advertising or design studio or that sort of thing. Cause again, that was my, that yeah. was my first love. So I was, I was fine with that. I mean, I was more than fine with that at the, at the time, 
you know, I hate to be one of those guys, but like, it's funny to me, like when I'm on, you know, social media or whatever, and I see so-and-so creative director, it's like, you know, you know, you know, at the time I would have like, like, that was my thing. I was like, okay, I, I want to be, you know, I want to be a creative director, you know, and that yeah. was, that was a big deal to have that title. That was a big deal to have that title. Um, and, and it's not something that you threw around either. Like I wouldn't have had the balls to call myself a creative director, you know, if I wasn't one, you know, it was that sort of thing. You know, so, so I, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to do. I just, I wanted to, I wanted to land on like a design studio, like Pentagram or something like that, you know? And, yeah. and then, and, and then MTV, like, like at the time was like, was like, you know, top of the food chain, you know, like people were looking to them for, you know, there were, there was no internet like that, you know? So it's like, you know, you look to, to other, um, to other avenues to get your, to get your inspiration. And, and so I was looking to, to, you know, things like that. So. And that's where I landed. I just ended up at, at, at MTV. So was that late 90s then? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that's when there would have been MTV2. And it, well, over here, there was a few different MTV channels. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, were you across kind of anything and everything there? Or were you very... Musically? Would they have people for genres, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean... You know, it's, it's, it's funny because there were certain times where like, you know, I remember, I remember I had to do a project for like one of the pop artists. It was, a, it was a, like a female pop artist. And I was like, fuck, like I remember telling, telling my, 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 you know, my, my, my creative director at the time, I remember being like, yo, like, come on, I'll even listen to this, you know? And, and, and he was like, well, well he was like, well, that's your job to listen to, you know, to, to, yeah. listen, to listen to it. So you know um so so you know to, to answer your question yeah we had to listen to to everything but you know but by that time i was i was you know i was you know pretty much an encyclopedia of you know you know hip-hop and and i was hard into you know salsa like like fania you know you know that sort of thing that, from that time um so so and even the fania stuff was mixtapes by the way you know i would get mixed i would get fania mixtapes from my barber you know, and, and, you know, I, 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 I remember just playing a fi like final tape and like rewinding just for the horn section. I'd be like, yo, how the old horns, man. Is this like the yeah. old funniest stuff? Yeah. The old funniest stuff. Uh, absolutely. The new, the, you know, like the eighties funniest stuff was, was garbage. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like the, yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 the yeah, that seventies stuff. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I love that stuff, man. Um, but uh, but it was the same it was the same template you know you 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 found something you found say you know you found like a break in it and 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 you rewound you you know you hit rewind and you were like I want to listen to this again and again and again and 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 I like I said I would experience that I remember vividly like just like sitting in the couch like with 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 the radio next to me and just rewinding the horn section on a Fania mixtape you know just rewinding that and being like God damn like that horn man like you know. Or like there, there was this artist Papaluca, um, uh, who was a pianist of the Sonora Ponceña um, uh, group in, in Puerto Rico. I don't know if he, they were Fania though. I, I want to say they were Fania because Fania had everything. Um, but I remember he do these piano solos, and I just re re would rewind those piano solos, man. Um, so I was kind of I, I was kind of into that stuff, which was weird at the time for a for a young kid because like yeah, it wasn't stuff like like you know people that age were were listening to. Does that cross over with like this Chicano soul stuff then? I love that stuff, man. I love that. I can't speak yeah. to that culture. I can't speak to that culture, but I I love that culture, man. I, I I love that stuff, man. I love everything they got going on there, and I love how they're true to that, man. 
You know, they like those oldies. They like that soul stuff. I, I love soul stuff too, man. Yeah, there's a guy, I'll send you a link to a guy on uh, Mixcloud who's got some really good mixes of that sort of stuff. Word, word, word. I, I love that stuff, man. And I love how they pair with the with the, with the, with the lowriders and, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, like they got a whole thing that's, that's magical in its own way, man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Hey, guys, I hope you're enjoying Once a DJ. I wanted to create a product for the listeners to be able to support the show and for the guests as a token of gratitude for being on. So I've teamed up with SureShot Shop to create some Once a DJ 45 RPM adapter clamps. These are my weapon of choice as a 45 adapter as they add stability and grip to aid you in any setup. These are available for £25 each plus flat fee postage from oncedj.bigcartel.com and if you'd like to see the other models you can buy and also customise, check out showshotshop.com. If you're a DJ who's been wanting to get into production but don't know where to start or if you're looking to level up your beat making skills, Look no further than howtomakemusic.co's online courses and personal coaching. Chris, the founder of How To Make Music, as well as knowing a load about music production, was once a DJ, and so his courses are ideal for the likes of us. From the Music Theory Essentials course to the incredibly thorough Ableton Turbo Start, there's a ton of good information to get you developing your music production skills. In addition to the video tutorials, there's a load of reference guides and they even offer personal coaching to get you where you want to be even quicker. And if you buy any course at howtomakemusic.co using the code ONCEADJ at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. So what you're waiting for, visit howtomakemusic.co. Um, so do you think that expert, how long were you at MTV then? Um, not that, well, maybe like five years or something like that, I want to say. So do you, do you think having to kind of learn and listen to very different types of music that you wouldn't be into, do you think that sharpened your skills as, as a designer? I think so, absolutely, yeah, 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 because it forces you to, it forces you to, um, to think outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, because I could do... I was one of the first ones to do a, a graffiti a graffiti uh, show, not show, but uh, a design. We did this show for um, Christina Aguilera, and it was called yeah. um, it was called it was called Stripped in NYC. I, th- I think, if I remember correctly. Um, but the whole gag with that was that um, she was my the brief they gave me was that she wanted to get out of this poppy persona brand that she had at the time and 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 um and sort of go into something more edgy and at the time it was very hard to to push anything graffiti um because they had a stigma and you know whatever whatever um and so so that was the first I could, I could probably find that and send it your way. Um, but that was that was one of the first graffiti um, show packages um, that MTV aired, and and you know and they were like, oh, you know, it's gonna it's not legible. And I was like, hey, I'll, I'll make it legible. Trust me, I got this. So so I had to you know I had to create a style that was legible. You know all that stuff. So we ended up doing this thing where where we were just tagging on, you know, through 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 design not practically right but 
um, uh, a collage of buildings of New York City and that sort of thing. And then that's ultimately where she had the concert. So, um, so, th- so I say that to say that was very easy to me because that was the first thing that came to my mind. Right. Yeah, because she, around that dirty era. Dirty, right, right. Yeah, exactly. That's kind yeah. of when she kind of lent more into like a Hispanic um, style, I guess, or, or a Hispanic influence. Yeah, she, she. I, I don't know what what her um, intention was, but but uh, or or motive, but um, you know, I guess she just wanted to sort of like you know get out of that and and, um, but yeah, it was around that time. Yeah, amazing. So, what what brought the end of MTV? Then was it you just wanting to go freelance and and do certain things, or was it? Cause I know you've done you've done certain kind of brands and you've done like a load of stuff for NFL, for example, as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, I guess, I guess it just felt like it ran its course, you know, like the universe was just like, all right, man, like, I think you're done here, dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and, you know, MTV felt like, you know, they were leaning more towards, you know, My Sweet 16 and, and that sort of thing. And you know, these shows that they had, right. For instance. And, um, and it wasn't, you know, I wasn't mad at any of that, you know, I wasn't mad at any of that. I was, I, I, I say that to say that's not the reason why I left. Um, but ultimately I was made an offer, um, that, that, that I took in Los Angeles. So I, so, so I left because of that. Yeah, it was, it was a, it was a strange time. So that's kind of mid two thousands, isn't it? And it's like reality TV was huge. Right. Right, right, right. It was a strange time. It was a strange time for everything. I think it was a strange time for music. Yeah, um, it was. It was. A, it was a strange time for fashion. You know, it was. It was like. It was like things were trying to figure themselves out around that time. You know. Yeah, because I think for DJing, there's a few things that happened around that t- around the mid two thousands. Downloading came in. Yeah. Record sales were going down. The advent of Serato and other digital DJing systems. The blog era, it was this right. weird time in, in certainly in hip hop and in DJing. Um, yeah, so yeah, it was a really funny one. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think we all felt it. Yeah, because for me, I've kind of realized that was kind of when I started DJing. I started DJing more and I think I just maybe got into it at the wrong time. Interesting. Huh. To really pursue it more. Yeah, it's, it's something I'm thinking about quite a bit because I've, kind of gone away from it and come back to it in quite a different way but you know like when i was when i was doing it then record shops were all closing it was harder to get records right the things that you'd get at say yard sale type of things would be absolutely terrible whereas now you can go in in england we'll have like car boot sales and you'll have decent record sellers there there's usually a half decent record shop in every town that that you turn up in it's a lot better a time to be a dj now I think interesting you know you, you can connect to Tidal if you want to do the digital thing and people are a bit more receptive as well now to different different styles of music and stuff which as a DJ is a blessing and a curse I think you're right about that because I remember people sort of like bucking technology around that time also you know there was a lot of hating a lot of like no no you know you can't do this you can't do that but that was in all sort of like aspects of art I think um, yeah that around that time like technology took a little bit of a leap um in 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 a lot of aspects i think 
Um, and I remember just people going, no, no, that's, you know, you got to stay true to this and you got to stay true to that. And, and, um, so, so there was like a, there was like a bucking going on around that time. Yeah. And, and you can get that when, when there's big changes that come in, people can be resistant to them and not think that things can coexist. It's like, you, you know, you get it in hip hop when a new era comes in, you'd get people that were into the golden era and then shiny suit comes in and people are, uh, just questioning why it's necessary and thinking that you should, everyone should just still be listening to Eric B and Rakim and nothing else. Right. You know, you, you, there's a lot of things with change. I mean, you look at AI at the moment. Right. Right. I think AI as much as anything gives people a fear that they're going to be redundant. Yeah. Th- rather than kind of, we can look at how we can use it to make, to, to, to make certain processes quicker. And to help us to have more time to do the bits that are unique to us, I think I think I think you're right about that, man. You know, um, I went to I you know I went to art school and I, I I think I I think I learned that lesson pretty fast of like it really embrace technology. Um, I mean, my major was literally design and technology. Um, I, that was that was the name of it, and 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 um, and I think I think I learned that lesson pr- pretty fast. I think there was a some tech, there was some new stuff coming out at the time. I forget what it was, but I remember people being um, resistance resistance towards it. And um, I remember one of the professors. He was just like, "Well, you know, you know, let's talk about technology. Then let's talk about the new technologies that revolutionize things, right?" So, you know, you know, people started mentioning your usual suspects, you know, the loom, you know, that sort of thing, and um, and then. I forget what philosopher it was, but I remember he was, it was either like Plato or Socrates or maybe it was neither. Right. But I remember he was like, well, what about Plato or, you know, that, you know, and I could be wrong. Right. (laughs) But I remember he was like, he was like, what about Plato who, who, um, who refused to embrace the paper when it came out because he, he felt like that he felt that it was going to ruin memory, you know, because those guys were doing things for, right? So it's the same, it's the same thing, right? So it's like every so often this technology comes, uh, comes in that, that, you know, like you mentioned AI and I look at AI now and I'm excited about that. Mm. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, finally, like, <laughs> you know, you know, um, anyway, whatever. I, I, I geek out on that stuff. Like, you know, I, you know, um, but. Yeah. Like a friend of mine's been using, um, one, I don't know if it's Midway or what, but he's been using one of them for mock-ups of set designs or something yeah, like that. Or like, yeah, pro- product, right, right. product photography mock-ups or something like that. And just to get the idea across yeah. to people, you know, to execute it in real life is is a different thing. It's, but, it, it's a whole different thing, 100%, yeah. You know, because sometimes, you know, when you work with clients, you can give them something rough and explain it to them but unless it looks close to finished, they just don't get the concept sometimes. Yeah. So, you know, this can afford them the opportunity to, to get that a lot more literally. Yeah. 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 You know, I think they're, I think they're, they're ethical issues. You know, on, on my end, I think they're ethical issues. You know, I think, yeah, if you're just going to do the, a- let the AI do all the work, then, you know, that's what is that? Right. Um, you know, but like you said, if, if I think if it's to create a mock-up, you know, and, and then it's like, you're adding your own flavor to it and it's influencing you or it's to do a presentation to start a conversation then you know, it's extremely useful, yeah. you know, stuff like that used to take me a month. Yeah. Right. 
So if you've got something help, something like that helping you and you're able to like really program it and to let it know, you know, exactly what you want, then who's to say that's not yours? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting with when things are modeled based on other people's IP. That's when it definitely gets into gray areas. That's a different story. That, 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 that's a different story. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're blatantly going, you know, Andy Warhol style, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's your prop, then, you know, yeah. you know, come on now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so just get, getting back to your timeline then. So, so you ended up a, a little bit later on, you ended up working on the Stretch and Bobito documentary, didn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how did you get from leaving MTV to there? What was that kind of route? Um, well, I was doing, I was doing a lot of commercials and I was doing, um, I was, I was doing what's, what, you know, what we now refer to as content, right? Like I was doing like these little like pieces with people and, 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 um, and artists and that sort of thing. Um, and, um, and working with brands and doing design or making films or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I just always wanted to, uh, to, to do a full, I don't know. There's something in me that likes to tell stories, I guess. Yeah. You know, and I, I think, I think it's, it really is as simple as that. And, and I, I just wanted to tell a full story. And, um, and so I got a bunch of stories that I've written down or whatever. And, and I took a, so I took a course in LA when I lived in LA, I took a course. It was called acting for directors. And it was taught by this woman, incredible woman called um, Judith Weston. And I remember I have a friend who's a director. He directed a couple of features and he was like, hey, I recommend this book. I read it to help me. And it was her book. And so I read it and then she had a course in LA and I took it. And so I was in that course and I remember presenting one of my stories and there was this writer also there and who was great. And we all went to, we all sort of like went to lunch afterwards. And, and I, I was like, you know, telling her my, my story, my idea, whatever. And, and I remember she was like, well, what, you know, tell me about you, you know? And I, you know, I, I, she started having this conversation, you know, a conversation yeah. you and I are having. And, and she was like, well, write about that, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know? And, um, and so, and so at that point, just a flurry of ideas, like just started like coming out, you know, yeah. because, you know, life experiences and, and, you know, the culture and, you know, all this, you know, this, that, and the next. And, and, um, you know, I just, I just remember like listening to, um, that radio show when I was a kid. And I remember like, I remember like playing, like put it like, like hitting play and then falling asleep, mm. <laughs> you know, like to record it, sorry, hearing hitting record and then falling asleep. Because around that time, even though hip hop was on the radio, you still weren't, weren't getting the stuff that Stretch and Bobito were playing. Yeah. You know, so, so, and, and it was just, to me, it was that, that time, that, that moment in time is just a beautiful, a beautiful moment. You know, I don't know how to explain it. You know, like one of the things I, I remember telling these, telling Stretch and Bob during the filming, you know, during the production of Stretch and Bobito was I, you know, I want New York to be a character in this. Yeah. Because it's important that it's important that new, that people understand what the, what the real context was like with New York, you know, because it certainly is not what it is now. Mm. You know, you know, New York was, you know, you, you know, I remember just like traveling and I, I couldn't wait to get back to New York. 
you know, I remember being, being in Puerto Rico and I couldn't wait to get back to New York. You know, there was so just so much energy and so much going on, you know? Um, and so, so I, I wanted, I wanted that to, um, I wanted that to, 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 to come across. But, um, in any case, um, I, 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 it was one of those ideas that sort of like wake you up at like 4 a.m., you know, you're mm. like, I, I, I got to write this down. And I remember my head going, stretching Barbito, stretching Barbito, stretching Barbito. And it just rolled off the, t the, the top of the tongue, you know, and my advertising sort of hack came in and I was like, I was like, okay, that, you know, I could see people, people wanting to say that, <laughs> you know, I could see yeah. people wanting to say stretch, you know, stretching Barbito. And I could see people like being curious about the name, you know, so there's legs here. And, and once the advertising ad came in, I remember just going, just going, um, all right. And I'm seeing the kids now wearing Tommy Hilfiger again, you know, and all this stuff. So there's a resurgence, you know, there's, you know, people are recycling this stuff. I think they're ready for something like this. Um, whereas I don't know that if, would if we would have done that film during the programming at that show or, or around that time, I don't know that it would have, would have been that successful. Yeah. Um, but it just felt like it just felt like the stars were aligned, man. Um, and I just decided to, to make the phone call, and 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 um, and I called Bob, and 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 um, and and he and he kind of played me at first. He was like, oh, oh whatever, and no, I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know. Mm. Um, and I was like, all right, cool. Well, you change your mind, call me. And then the next day, he, he called me. Um, and so I think a week after that, we were shooting. Did Did you approach him cold? For that, yeah, I did. Mm. Yeah, for that, I did. Yeah, for that, I was like, I was just like, I was just like, and he had, you know, you know, he, you know, he, he had just done the film and all that, and I understand you know, what, what it's like to do a film, so, obviously, and so, so, um, like, I could see, like, you know, go, getting out of a film and being like, wait, what? No, man, I need a break. Which film was it that he'd done? He did uh, uh, Do It In The Park, if I'm, Do It In The Park, yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Um, and so, you know, it just took off from there, man. And, and, um, and, you know, and we didn't know, we didn't know what we had, you know, I remember, you know, Bob and I will talk every morning. Um, and, and, um, and I remember Bob and I just having these very candid conversations just going, you know, there's a chance nobody's going to see this, <laughs> you know, it just, and yeah. being cool and being cool with that, you know, being like, well, all right, let's just finish it up, man. <laughs> you know? So was uh, this your first documentary? It was, yeah, I, yeah. It was the first one wow. that I, yeah, yeah. It was the first one that I that 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 I produced and and Bob directed. Yeah, that's a pretty good first effort, then. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. I was saying, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's. I, I think it's amazing. It's. It just really tells a story of an era, and particularly for someone that grew up in a small village in the north of England to be able to kind of witness that story in retrospect is a really um a really special thing to have you know because we have this luxury now where we can get a bit more connection and learning through the internet like i've always kind of when i've had off time at work i've always like kind of looked up things in areas it might be like old wrestling or it might be old like jazz musicians or what, mm. like it's always the, the history of people and and movements uh -huh. And it's one of those things like the Stretch and Bob show was a huge thing in relevance to New York rap and the freestyle, you know, like the big L and Jay-Z freestyle, mm -hmm. for example, Wu-Tang going down there, people like that. And so to get this kind of deep dive into it was really, really nice. 
Dope, good. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 that makes me happy, man. And I mean, yeah. I'm glad you said that you got New York at the time also, because that was that was that was kind of a big deal to us. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and it, you know, it hit really well. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying Once a DJ. I wanted to create a product for the listeners to be able to support the show and for the guests as a token of gratitude for being on. So I've teamed up with Sure Shot Shop to create some Once a DJ 45 RPM adapter clamps. These are my weapon of choice as a 45 adapter as they add stability and grip to aid you in any setup. These are available for £25 each plus flat fee postage from oncedj.bigcartel.com and if you'd like to see the other models you can buy and also customise, check out showshotshop.com. If you're a DJ who's been wanting to get into production but don't know where to start or if you're looking to level up your beat making skills, look no further than howtomakemusic.co's online courses and personal coaching. Chris, the founder of How To Make Music, as well as knowing a load about music production, was once a DJ, and so his courses are ideal for the likes of us. From the Music Theory Essentials course to the incredibly thorough Ableton Turbo Start, there's a ton of good information to get you developing your music production skills. In addition to the video tutorials, there's a load of reference guides and they even offer personal coaching to get you where you want to be even quicker. And if you buy any course at howtomakemusic.co using the code ONCEADJ at checkout, you'll receive 10% off. So what are you waiting for? Visit howtomakemusic.co. So after that, how long was it after you'd done that? Because that must have been quite, a, quite an exhausting process as well, making, it, making that sort of documentary. Was it? How long did it take you to to make? I, I um I think it took like a year to make that one. If I'm not yeah, if, if I'm not mistaken, it took about a year or so um to do that one. So when that had come out, was there a bit of downtime in between, or were you like, right, where's the next project? I need to I need to do more of this. Um, I always had mixtape in the back of my head of my head. Yeah, like for like for sure, I always had that in the back of my head. But it's it's. It's mostly because as a visual person, as a person that thinks visually, um, I just remember going, you know what would be dope is is if it's a movie, but it's like cut like a mixtape, you know? Yeah. You know? Um, and so, so, um, so I think that was the spark, just, just visually. I think that was like the spark. And... So there was there was a little I, I mean I think it was like a, a year or two um before before I decided to pull to pull the trigger on that one. Um did that start off with a conversation with Tony? It did. It did. Yeah, it did. Um that started off with a conversation with Tone and um Tony Touch for our listeners by the way. Shout out to Tony Touch. Um and that started off with a conversation um, with with Tone, and the reason for that is because I I wanted to do something with somebody that I that I had an, a, a sort of like an emotional attachment to, yeah. and 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 just just to just just to add to the authenticity of of the piece, um, and you know I mean I've been listening to that dude since you know since I was a kid, man, so. Um, you know, so there was just nobody else, man. But, um, but I'm glad he gave me, you know, I'm happy that he gave me the opportunity to make this with him, you know? Um, and, 
Yeah, that started off with 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 that phone coin. I didn't know what you know. I remember I remember telling him, and it was a phone call with him and Duop. And I remember telling, just being like, "Yo, I don't know what we have, what what's here, but I know there's something here." You know, uh, in terms of the story. Um, yeah. And so 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 I'm you know I'm grateful that 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 tone gave me sort of the opportunity to to explore that a little bit with him. And so initially it was like. Initially, it was like, well, let's, you know, let's, I forget what mixtape, but I was like, let's do something with one of, let's start off with something with the mix, with one of the mixtapes. Let's start off with, because I didn't know this, I didn't know the story. It's a huge story. It's a huge story. Yeah. And, and, and so we, we, so we started, right. So we just started, you know, with, with the, with, with the interview. And then it was like, things started, um, connecting and it got to the point where, you know, even Tone was like. All right, man. We we got. Let's just do the whole thing, the whole story, you know. Yeah. And Tone, Tone you know, Tone's a producer in the film, um, and and so, I mean, you know, I was, I was, you know, I was like, you know, done, you know, um, and so, and but it just kept going and going and going, man. You know, like we'd interview one person, and that, and then you know that person would give us two more names, and. Yeah, and you know, I was like, "Hi, right, cool." You know, now we got to find this person. You know, now we got to find that person. And so, so you know, once we got everybody uh, that we needed, it was just a matter of like, uh, how we, how do we give this some flavor, and you know, not turn it into like, you know, some like, you know, after school documentary or something. How do we get this some some real flavor? You know. Well, this this is the thing. I thought there's a few thoughts I've had when watching it. One is the 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 names that you've got on it, Mike Tyson. Dante Ross, ASAP Rocky, Shaquille O'Neal. You've got some pretty big people on there outside of just the kind of mixtape DJs, you know, and outside of outside of rap culture as well. Um, there's a lot of people interviewed in this film and I, I can't imagine how much stuff there is on the cutting room floor. It's like, how do you get such a different amount of information about something that you're telling the story of about 30 years, 40 years. Um, how difficult is it to turn that into a kind of single narrative in the way that you did? Oh, I mean, it's extremely difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think, again, I think that's where, that's where the, the, the sort of like mixtape style editing came in, you know? Right. So it was, you know, when, when I was sitting with the editors, it was like, all right, let's, let's try to have people, let's try to have people finish each other's sentences, you know, and that way we give everybody a chance to speak, uh, you know? And so that's, that's kind of why it feels like it, it, it feels like that, you know, and it's got like, you know, weird stops and, you know, these sort of like, you know, um, uh, interstitials and animations and. And I wanted to add more. I wanted to add like weird commercials. You know, I wanted to add like like wait wait what you know what, where, what's that movie from? You know, I wanted to add yeah. like a lot you know a lot more of that of that of that of that stuff to make it really feel like like it's a mixtape. And I wanted it to feel like like it could be something wh that you're watching and and you know you could also like wash the dishes and you could hear it and it feels like you're still like there's music involved. You know. Um, so, so, and, you know, nobody's there gratuitously either, you know, there's no, there's the, you know, there's, everybody's there for, for a reason, you know, I think it was important that we show that, 
you know, when you mentioned Mike Tyson, like, I think it's important that we show that like, you know, he was training two mixtapes, right? Um, yeah. So, so that was the user, you know, ultimately, right? Um, and I think it was important that we had that that we have a perspective from 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 both the, both the the DJ and the listener. Yeah, and, and I think when Kid Capri's talking about how it was was it Alpo and people like that that were that were kind of heavy in the streets were buying these tapes off him for crazy amounts of money and and the way that they kind of resonated in the streets and and the social um, equity that you kind of got mm-hmm. from playing their tapes is absolutely fascinating. It really, it really is, man. And, and, you know, there's a lot that, that I identified with, um, also obviously not to the extent of somebody like, you know, you know, Kick Capri was a living legend. Um, but you know, it goes back to that Vico tape in Puerto Rico, you know, it was, it really was, it really was one of those things, you know, it really was this, this thing where if you had it, it was like, all right, you know, at least for us, you know, for us kids, you know, like if you had, it, it was like, all right, th- all right, this guy's important. This guy knows somebody, <laughs> this guy knows yeah. somebody, y- you know? That's so fun. it was, it was one of those things, man. Was there anyone on it that you, that, cause when I'm doing this podcast, I'll just get really excited about certain interviews that I get. Um, like I obviously enjoyed them all, but there's certain ones where I'm like, I can't believe this person's up for doing this. Did you get, kind of get any of that experience when you were doing the, um, film? Um, I think I got, I got that, I got that with everybody, man. I, I was grateful that everybody wanted to be a part of this and tell this story yeah. that really, that really wasn't, hasn't been, hasn't been told, you know, and, 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 um, and, you know, again, every, everybody that's there is there for a reason, you know? So, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm grateful to everybody that showed up to this film. Yeah. And it's an amazing film. And I urge anyone who hasn't seen it yet to make the effort to go and see it. If there's a screening local to you, I know we've got a screening coming up in London very soon. I'll get the details of that and I'll be sharing that on social media. And if you'd like to watch the film, you can get it also on Paramount Plus, which you can additionally get through Amazon Prime if you've got Prime. Um, Omar, I think we've got everything that we need there. So thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure to get to know a bit more about you and best of luck with everything. We're good, man. Yeah, amazing. Thanks for listening to the Once a DJ podcast. If you've got any questions or feedback or any suggestions for guests, please just get in touch with us at onceadjpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at onceadjpodcast. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.